1: Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas, where we uncover the truth, one guest at a time. For those who dare to seek, Veritas is the place where they shall find. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members. As always, you are keeping Veritas alive. Tonight's special guest is H.P. Albarelli. The CIA's Secret Cold War Experiments and the Murder of Dr. Frank Olson. This is one of those shows that will open your eyes even more as to who really is in charge. H.P. Alberelli will be with us shortly. To listen to the complete version of this and all our past and future shows, become a member. You will receive immediate access to all our inventory of shows. That's 89 episodes to date a few bonus interviews, the Veritas private chat room, and the Manticore forum. Just head on over to our website, verytestshow.com, click on subscribe, and take Veritas with you. And let me remind you that the 8GB brushed metal cased USB drive, containing all of Season 1, and a lot of bonus material, is now in stock. To find out what else is included, just visit our website, veritasshow.com, and click on the Veritas store, where you can order. You may remember vague details of a person who was high on LSD and jumped out a window in New York back in the 60s. You might also recall that it had something to do with the CIA. It certainly did. It was murder. So get ready to discuss details once highly classified accounts of the CIA's experiments with LSD and other drugs in a series of biochemical experiments. These covert actions On unsuspecting individuals, resulted in at least five deaths and 300 people seeking medical care. For decades, the seemingly unrelated mysteries of Dr. Frank Olson's strange suicide in 1953 and the bizarre hallucinogenic breakout in the French village of Pont Saint Esprit in August 1951 have independently perplexed serious investigators. The subjects have been rehashed in countless accounts on the internet and in many television news features and documentaries over the years. However, using secret and never before revealed CIA reports obtained through the Freedom of Information Act, H.P. Alborelli has tied together these two events, along with many others. His startling conclusion is that the CIA has high hopes of using LSD to develop a truth serum and perhaps even create a person who would unwittingly murder on command. The drug had to be administered surreptitiously, and that was the reason behind the dosing of entire French villages and hundreds of unknowing civilians, hospital patients, prisoners, and military personnel. H.P. Alberelli is coming up next to discuss the reasons behind Dr. Olsen's murder and also reveal the identities of the man responsible for the crime. Their ties to Lee Harvey Oswald murder of JFK and the role in the infamous French Connection heroin case. CIA sponsored mind control and assassination programs. If you want to believe, stop this audio now. If you want to know the truth, don't go anywhere. This is Mel Fabregas and you're listening to Veritas.
2: This is Nick Bryant, author of The Franklin Scandal, and you're listening to Veritas.
1: H.P. Albarelli Jr. is an investigative reporter and writer who lives in the Tampa Bay region of Florida. He has written articles about Frank Olson's death, as well as about the post-9-11 anthrax investigation, biological warfare, Cuba, and other subjects, which have appeared on the WorldNet Daily website. Other writings by Albarelli may be found in Witness, a literary journal on Tampa's alternative newspaper, The Weekly Planet. A graduate of Antioch Law School, Albarelli has worked as a researcher, scriptwriter and technical consultant on several television documentaries, including a and recent investigative report on Frank Olson, produced by London's Principal Films. From 1977 to 1980, Albarelli worked in the White House under the Carter administration, and then later served on the senior policy staff for the Service Employees International Union. AFL-CIO in Washington, D.C. Alberelli is a former board member of the London-based Transnational Information Center and has traveled extensively throughout Europe, Asia, and Africa. He is the author of A Terrible Mistake, The Murder of Frank Olson and the CIA's Secret Cold War Experiments. In 1953, U.S. Army biochemist Dr. Frank Olson died suddenly in New York, city military, and federal officials, said his death was a suicide. But more than a half a century later, this new book argues that his death came at the hand of the Central Intelligence Agency. Now to discuss this very important case, directly from Tampa Bay, Florida, for the first time on Veritas, I would like to introduce H.P. Albarelli. Hello, Mr. Alborelli, and welcome to Veritas. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm happy to be with you. It's my pleasure may I call you Hank sure absolutely thank you and I just want to begin by asking how you first became involved and why you decided to explore and investigate the death or as you call it the murder of dr. Frank Olson
0: sure it's uh it's a long story and'll I'll try to make it short but uh, back in the mid 1990s or probably the early 1990s uh, it's a little blurry right now, year-wise. Uh, I had moved from Washington, D.C. Uh, with my wife and daughter to relocate uh, in a small town on the southern side of uh, Maryland, uh, Baltimore, Maryland, called Catonsville, Maryland. Uh, and the first couple weeks uh, I, had, I had lived in that town, uh, I became aware of the fact that a number— of uh, experiments had been conducted at a facility uh, not too far away from my house, about two or three miles from the house, at a facility called the Spring Grove uh, Hospital. Uh, that's how it was referred to by local residents. Uh, formerly it was called the Maryland Psychiatric Institute. but it was an aged uh, facility, had been actually been there uh, since the late, 1700s, first uh, initiated as one of the uh, as an asylum uh, for women, uh, for only women. So it was one of the oldest, uh, one of the oldest mental institutions in the United States. But in the early, in the very early 1950s, actually in 1950 and 1951, uh, I learned after moving to Catonsville. uh, there were there were a number, of, probably the first in the United States, a number of experiments conducted with LSD uh, at the Spring Grove facility. Uh, and that just piqued my interest because uh, I had read a lot about the subject prior to moving to Cadenceville, but I hadn't realized that uh, research had been conducted as early as 1950. I, I was under the impression it it started a little bit later. Uh, perhaps after 1953 or, or 1954, uh, at that point in time, I wasn't real familiar with the Frank Olson story. I wasn't really familiar with it uh, beyond the newspapers. So I started digging into uh, the activities at Spring Grove, thinking that I would probably write uh, a short, maybe 2, 2,000, 2,500-word article uh, just on early experimentation with LSD in Maryland. Uh, and in the process of, of conducting uh, my research for that planned article, uh, I happened to visit Spring Grove because a friend of mine was using uh, the Campus uh, F as a setting for a film that had nothing to do with with the the asylum, the institute, or or the Frank Olsen or LSD uh, subjects at all. But uh, Spring Grove is located in a very pastoral, rural, semi-rural setting, and it's really quite beautiful. And there's ponds and 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 small rivers running through the property, and rolling hills, and the buildings uh, again are quite. Uh, old having some of them having been built in the uh, the late 1700s and and uh, even more uh, around the mid1800s so it's a beautiful campus and she was filming she was using the property as a as a location for a film and I took that as an opportunity to visit and went through a couple of the empty buildings some of the older buildings on that campus uh, at that point in time uh, had been vacated uh, because uh, they just weren't up to code. I don't know if they were planned uh, for rehabilitation, but at any rate, at that point in time, they were vacant. And I walked through a couple. They w- they weren't barricaded or boarded up or anything. And in, in one of the basements in one of the older buildings, I found uh, a, a Few old, old boxes, uh, carton boxes filled with uh, documents, uh, actually patient files in and, and some of the boxes, which I did not go through. But on top of one of the boxes, there were maybe 14 or 15 boxes in all, there were log books, uh, sign-in books that had uh, formerly been used uh, by the facility in the early 50s. Uh, and so I went through. I actually sat down and went through a few of the sign-in books to try to see if there were any names that that struck me as as being familiar. Uh, and there weren't. There there were a few. There were names of doctors that uh, that I was familiar with, and a few I wrote down. And one of the ones that I wrote down was Harold Abramson. and Another one was Vincent Rouet. And then, along with Abramson and Rouet's name. Uh, Uh, Was Frank Olson's name? I think it was signed Frank R. Olson. Um, Olson was a Ph.D., not a doctor. Uh, And so that Olson's name, of course, rang a bell. But again, I wasn't that familiar with his case. I knew, I knew of, I, I knew of Frank Olson from the Rockefeller Commission revelations that had been. That had been all across the newspapers in 1975, but that wasn't that fresh in my mind uh, at that point in time in the early 1900s. So I wrote that down, and I was going to continue my research into the article, but got distracted for a couple weeks, and then one morning uh, got up and... Picked up a copy of the Washington Post, and on the front page of the metro section of the Washington Post, there was an article uh, concerning Frank Olson's body being exhumed uh, from its its grave uh, in Frederick, Maryland, in a cemetery in Frederick, Maryland. Uh, and the article stated that uh, the Olson survivors, primarily uh, Eric and Nils. Olson, uh, the surviving sons of Frank Olson, uh, were planning on reburying uh, their father Frank Olson in a new grave in Frederick uh, at a cemetery where his his wife, their mother, uh, was buried. Uh, but before he was to be reburied, uh, they had plans for a forensic. Investigation to be conducted into his death because they had long suspected, since about 1976 forward, that um, that his death had been foul play, uh, and that was approximately two or three weeks after I had visited Spring Grove and found the sign-in books uh, with Olson's name uh, in them, along with what I learned uh, soon thereafter was. Uh, his superior's name uh, at Fort Dietrich, or it was called Camp Dietrich then, Vincent Rouet. Uh, and uh, even at that point, uh, I still planned on writing an article. I had planned on writing an article initially, as stated, uh, just on the subject of early research into LSD, but that sort of morphed right away into an article involving Frank Olson because I knew of I knew right away of the importance of uh, of Olson's having been at, at Spring Grove that early. Uh, so I started my research. The way I started my research uh, into the Olson case uh, was was basically to look at to look for anything and everything that had been bu- published on the case. And, of course, I knew there were a lot of, uh, a lot of newspaper art- articles stemming from uh, the mid-1970s, again, when the Rockefeller Commission did all its work, and the New York Times and the Washington Post uh, tracked that work pretty closely for about three or four months. Uh, but I also had recalled that there was a chapter in uh, John Marx's book uh, it's a well-known book called *The Search for the Manchurian Candidate* uh, that was devoted uh, entirely to to the Frank Olson case and and to his death and alleged suicide in November 28, 1953 in New York City. So I picked up a a copy of that book, um, read that read that chapter uh, through two or three times, and then started marking it up and. By about the fourth time I had read it, uh, I literally had uh, it was just filled with question marks and 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 questions and issues that I had, and it was more than obvious to me that there was a lot more to uh, to Frank Olson's death uh, than met the eye. Uh, and again, I was still thinking about. Uh, Writing an article uh, at that point in time, I knew it was going to be much longer than 2,500 words. But within about three or four months, uh, after having discovered that much of the material uh, in the Marx book uh, was very, very questionable and, and at issue, uh, uh, I began to realize that that you know it, it had to be more than an article and that that it was a book. But at that